What are the three scariest letters when you're running your own business? S-E-O. And how about when the product you've got isn't tangible, but something like content or some kind of service? I'm Louise Poole. And I'm Andy Leroy, and we're giving you the insights to help elevate you as an expert in your field. Elevating. Elevating. Elevating experts. Building a business is a big job, no matter how large or small your enterprise is. One of the mammoth tasks that lay ahead is building your website. Then building your website is one thing, but getting it seen is another. Is having a website enough? Will your social media presence give your website presence a boost? A term you might have heard or seen is SEO, which stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, this episode's a little bit different because we decided that we needed to speak to an actual expert in the field related to this. So we had a good lengthy chat with Nick Morris from Slam Strategy. So grab your notepad and some light refreshments as we untangle the mysterious world of SEO. How long have you been doing this kind of stuff? Probably around 10 years now. It's changed a little bit over that time. What sort of things over those 10 years have you seen develop? The big thing is the the Google algorithms, or I should say search engine algorithms, but uh, Google has the, the lion's share of the market. So often I'll just say Google mm. as a shorthand and, and the other ones work in a similar way. But um, certainly uh, that's the, the main thing that changes over time as they sort of try to change their algorithm to serve up content better, but also they make other changes like with their advertising things and, and whatnot and trying to uh, combat spammers and, and stuff like that. So they're regularly releasing updates, like hundreds of small ones per year and including a few big ones. So the big ones are the ones that, that tend to um, might see a big sort of bump in someone's traffic. And so you've got to sort of keep on top of those things. And, and there's been some big ones over the last 10 years that have targeted different sort of areas of how websites put together. And then the industry in general has just grown. It's probably fractured a lot. So it went from being sort of the same sort of things for every website to being more specialized, depending on the type of website or the type of industry people are operating in. Our regular listeners might be wondering why we're talking SEO uh, when we're primarily putting out a podcast that's trying to help elevate content creators and podcast creators. You want to maybe give a, a 101 on SEO and, and why it matters? Sure. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And if you're operating some sort of business that's online and you have the potential to get uh, traffic and visitors from search engines, then it's at least something you should consider as including in your marketing strategy. And these days, because um, search engines are so big and, and so pervasive online, and so many people use it as the first sort of point of entry to find something new online, or even to navigate to something that they already know about. Um, for most businesses or, or organizations that are online, then search engines can actually deliver traffic to them. So it definitely makes sense to at least consider um, SEO as part of your marketing strategy. And probably for most businesses, they should have at least the basics in place. It's also worth uh, sort of thinking about uh, the timelines involved with SEO. So SEO is considered more of a long-term strategy. Um, there's sort of takes time to uh, to research what you're doing, to implement it, and then it takes time for Google to sort of crawl what you've done, recognize and, and reward you for that. So there's it's definitely a long-term strategy and it's cumulative. So stuff you do today will you know, things you, changes you make to your website will be there forever, probably, or until the next big redesign. Mm. Um, and links you build 
they will probably eventually fall off, at least some of them will, but you'll, they'll be around for a while. So they'll be sort of cumulative. The more effort you do, it builds, but it does take time. Whereas some of the other services like the paid ad side can be instantaneous. In a world of instant gratification, how long does SEO take to really get traction? Yeah. So, I mean, I usually tell people three to six months is a good uh, sort of timeline to think about um, when getting sort of sort of noticeable results. There's certainly changes you make on the website itself, like to the keywords can be much quicker than that because these days Google does crawl very quickly, crawls your new pages uh, and recrawling old pages can be slower, but you could probably see the results of that within um, a few weeks or even even a few days, depending on the website. But it's the really the link building side and also the cumulative side as to when it becomes sort of comes together and is noticeable that that takes time. So that I usually say sort of three to six months for the average website, average business. But then, like I said, it's sort of cumulative over time. And in some markets, it can be longer. And some, it's less. I think one of the common things that people think SEO is about, it's just all about the words that you put onto your web page, but it's a bit more than that, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, there's essentially two uh, main areas um, which we can sort of break down as relevancy and authority. So, from Google's perspective, they're trying to take – when someone types in a search into their search engine, they're trying to figure out, okay, which websites or which web pages are relevant to this search. That's the relevancy side of things. But then they've also got to figure out how are they going to order these pages because obviously in a lot of cases when when you type in something, there could be thousands or millions of sites and pages that are relevant. So they've got to figure out how they're going to order those, which ones are going to go on the first page, which ones are going to go on page 100, etc. So that's the authority aspect. And the biggest part of authority is links. So that's um, basically the number and the quality of other websites that link to your website. And that's the other major part. So any way you can think to leverage that. Um, so leveraging your connections with friends, family, business contacts, that's a great way to do it. Leveraging any sort of uh, personal connections you have with, say, sporting teams that you might be on the board of or you might sponsor as a business. Um, that could be an opportunity to get a link as a sponsored link or in a sort of profile or something you have. And then beyond that, there's this content-related stuff. So writing articles for other websites known as guest posts with a link back, doing things like going on a podcast. You might get a link back in the show notes or something and, you know, doing your own podcast or doing your own content that, that attracts people to link to you because of the good content you're creating is another another way of doing it, of course, as well. So the, the websites like um, Medium and stuff that you could post articles up on, does that help? Where that link Will that link back to your website? Yeah, so Medium uh, from memory links from Medium um, won't help. So mm-hmm. this is another sort of level of um, uh, technicality around it. Essentially, there is ways of telling search engines don't trust this link. <laughs> um, so it's a, it was it was basically a, a strategy to try and uh, combat spam on the internet. Mm-hmm. Once once people realised that links were valuable, they started to spam them a lot, and then Google tried to offer some sort of way to. For publishers to, to say, don't trust this link, and then therefore they could try and prevent spam. It hasn't really worked. But um, anyway, I think links from Medium are not followed. So, but the question, um, it's relevant in that it does come back to whether you want to put the content on your own website versus another website. So, in terms of getting links, like, like I mentioned, you, you could mm. write a guest post for someone, have a link back. Medium is probably not the best place to do that from a link building perspective. However, it could be great for 
you know, reaching new audiences or whatever. It's quite a popular platform, of course, and lots of readers and stuff in there. So you might get, you know, you might write an article for Medium. You don't get the SEO benefits straight away, but you do get, um, you know, new readers, new listeners, and then maybe there's other benefits, maybe SEO benefits and other benefits from that anyway. So I wouldn't discount that out of hand. But um, you do want to think about, um, you know, getting followed links, so links that do count towards your SEO when you're writing articles for this sort of stuff. And usually it's going to be independent um, websites, not that aren't part of a platform, are going to be mm. better. Um, uh, but, yeah, certainly you can think about these platforms for other reasons, reaching your audiences and whatnot. It's almost like we should do some networking with people and um, who also have uh, content that they're creating and then have a big old content swap. Yeah, there was a, a simplified version of this in the past called uh, Link Exchanges. Hmm. So um, that was kind of a, an early strategy when people realized that links were valuable. And they think, okay, so how about I give you a link, you give me a link, and we both benefit. So Google did sort of come down on that some years ago because, um, you know, from their perspective, they're treating links as sort of a vote for the quality of your website. And obviously, if you're just swapping links, this doesn't quite have the same idea of it of a vote um it's not quite a vote for the quality but i think that if you have an article you're doing an article a full article they're doing a full article and you're not doing it with everybody i think it um, can still be a beneficial uh, strategy mm. i think this strategy was more around having a links page with no sort of content there. Oh, yeah, Just, yeah. they're all kind of mm. interlinked between different websites if you're producing good content valuable unique content and you've linked to you know, uh, your friend or whatever, a colleague, a network uh, partner in your content. And I've done the same on their website and linked back to you and it's linked like that. I think that's fine. And that's, I think that's a good way to go, actually. A good strategy. Is there a way you can tell which websites are better for you to feature on? I'm, I'm thinking like automatically ones that are the HTTPS, like are some indexed better than others like that? I mean, certainly there are ways of doing it with the SEO tools out there, but most of those are paid. It's not going to be as easy for, for the average person to, to know um, without, you know, getting those tools. Mm. Um, just for someone searching around, and certainly I'll just be looking at the quality of the website itself. So most people can, can probably judge, particularly if it's in their industry, they can judge the quality of the content. And if it looks like it's being kept up to date, looks like the, the you know, the webmaster cares about that website and, and um, they're, they're writing good content and, you know, the design's relatively up to date. Things like HTTPS, like you mentioned, mm. are a part of that too. It's not, I mean, it's for like your average content site that's not um, selling anything. Um, you could argue that you, they don't really need the HTTPS so much if you're not um, giving your details on that site. But uh, it has become a sort of a focus of, of Chrome and of Google. So these days it's basically expected that you have mm. HTTPS. So the, the little padlock in your little, um, in your browser bar there. So that's part of it too, showing that the website's still being looked after. And then beyond that, you can have a look at how well they're ranking in search for the types of sort of topics that you you want to talk about, um, and, and maybe how many pages they have indexed. That's another way of sort of judging, mm. um, you know, how well they might be seen by search engines. And then beyond that, like I said, there's some tools out there that allow you to see how many links they have and have different metrics around, you know, what their the strength of that website might be in Google's eyes, etc. But that's more professional SEO sort of land, I guess. 
Yeah, no, not. There's only so much we can DIY. Right. Yes, you can do a lot. (laughs) And it's only a one hour. um, (laughs) I'm I'm only a radio announcer who, a former radio announcer who builds websites and does SEO (laughs) as a hobby. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. We'll refer back to you for the expertise. (laughs) Just looking just for the minute around. The, the words that we use on the website, that sort of thing. Um, I, I've done some reading around this and there appear to be some penalties for going out and just stuffing words into web pages. That's not something they're looking for, is it? Yes, that's right. So, I mean, it's probably worth noting that there is many ways of, of, of approaching SEO and only some of them, a subset of them, are sort of approved of by the search engines and, and Google and the other search engines have guidelines that you can go look up if you if you want and they'll list certain things in there that are common ways of manipulating um, their algorithms. And, and then there's other things that are um, these new things coming up all the time. So one of them that, that's been around for a long time is keyword stuffing, which is uh, what you just mentioned. Or something similar is cloaking of keywords. So it's you might put a whole list of keywords in, in white text towards the bottom of your white page. So they can't be seen by people, but they will be seen by search engines. So it should be fairly clear to most people if you're doing something that's manipulative, as in you're doing something that's not in really intended for users. You don't really want users to see that, or it's not, you know, like just stuffing keywords into your text in such a way that um, makes it un- basically unreadable for a person. And it's really designed for search engines. That's obviously manipulative and if you're going to do something like that, you should be aware that search engines are actively trying to detect that and to penalize websites that do that sort of thing. So definitely something you've got to be aware of. And, and something like that in particular is quite a simple thing to do and a, a quite a easy to detect, to detect. So I'll definitely, if you were going to be going a bit sneaky with the SEO, that's probably not how I would do it because it's a bit too easy to detect. If those are the don'ts, what are the do's? Do we work out what keywords we think people might be searching for and try and find a way to write those into our articles? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Google and, and the other search engines, they essentially say that you should not think about um, search engines at all when you, when you write your content. Uh, you should just sort of write for the user and they'll sort of figure out in the background that, that it's relevant or not. We take a slightly different approach and, and think that people should certainly write for the user because it, it's mainly about obviously you want to get, you want to connect with your, with your reader. You want to get your conversion or whatever it is you're, you're trying to get them to do on your website. But you should also have SEO in mind and you should write with the keywords that you're trying to target in mind. So certainly the first step would be figuring out which keywords we want to target. There's various sort of free tools out on the internet as, as well as a bunch of uh, paid tools that you can use to research, which essentially there's different ways to, to approach it. You can look at keywords that competitors are using and, and that they rank for. You can look at keywords that you already rank for and you're getting traffic for. Or you can look at, you can sort of in, insert a keyword that will give you some relevant keywords and see the traffic volume for the, the various keywords. And you can try, try and select the ones that are going to be best for you. And then it's definitely a matter of including that within your content. You can go quite in depth with this with different tools and, and different ways of optimizing and different levels. But Broadly speaking, you want to include the, your target keyword in your page titles, your SEO page title. That's something that doesn't appear on the page itself, but it will appear in the browser window or the tab, and it also appears in as the blue link in the search results. So you definitely want to ke- include your primary keyword in there. Also, probably in the heading of your uh, your page, so if it's an article heading or the heading, the main heading at the top, 
And you probably want to include it in the first paragraph of your content and then perhaps a few other times within the content. But um, that's just a sort of a, uh, a brief and a general way of approaching it. If you've got an image, you might want to include it in the alt tag for that image as well. The other thing would be try to uh, make sure you have one primary target keyword per page as opposed to having lots of different ones. Now, you, you will, your page will rank for lots of different keywords and um, you know sometimes it could be hundreds or thousands of, of different keywords which you can see in your analytics, but it helps to have sort of one primary focus keyword per page and that helps you with this optimization process because you can focus your efforts. I find that really interesting actually because I think the tactic that we've been trying to do is to get a lot of content onto our website and try and make as many things crop up in that content so we can get snatched up by the search engines. So what you're saying is we really should be easing up on that and just focusing on that one keyword? I mean, certainly you want to have lots of content. It it depends a little bit on on your strategy, I guess. Um, So there's certainly more content is better. Uh, because like I said, you can have that, you want to have that one primary keyword, but you can also have other keywords on the page and you will get traffic and you will rank for lots of different keywords from one page. So I wouldn't worry so much about that. And, um, you know, it can be a great part of your strategy to have plenty of content on one page. So if you've got a certain amount of content, there is a question around how you should organize that, whether it should be split amongst lots of different pages or should it be sort of focused on individual pages, like longer pages. And there's a bit of debate around this in the industry as to what the best way to go is. In the sort of past, say, maybe five years or so, five to 10 years, there was this push towards long form content. So very long pages, some of them getting ridiculously large into sort of 10,000 words or something like that mm-hmm. for the page. Yeah. And there was some research that suggests that this was, uh, that this sort of content ranked better. Um, and then that's sort of fallen out of favor in the last sort of year or so, I guess, or the last couple of years. So, it, you know, there's different ways you can approach it, but certainly more content is almost always better. But it's just uh, thinking about sort of how you're going to organize that content. You want to try and keep each page on a sort of a focused topic or another way to think about it is you don't want the topics of your different pages to overlap too much because that can sort of confuse the search engines. So this idea of having sort of one target keyword per page sort of helps you to keep your topic more focused. But if it's in, if you've got the opportunity to write more content and that content's going to be relevant to your users, it's going to be valuable, then I would always choose that over writing less. So certainly more content is, is always better. And so I want to drive that point home. And then just it's about uh, yeah, trying to make sure each page's topic is focused. And, and that sort of ties into what I said before, which is about having one primary target keyword per page, but you can certainly have other keywords on the page that you're also trying to target, but just have one primary. I think a lot of people are spending a lot of time creating all this content for social media. Um, That's kind of feeding their platform and not necessarily putting it on their own website. That's kind of hurting us all in terms of SEO, isn't it? Because that's not getting indexed in the same way. Yeah, that's right. So, some of the content you create for social media probably isn't that uh, suitable for your website because if it's going to be, you know, largely just images or things that are de- designed for, for a, you know, a social media news feed aren't mm. necessarily going to be good for a website. But certainly there are going to be types of content that you're probably going to be putting on social media, which could 
go on the website as well. And you're right, it's not getting much SEO benefit while being on social media. I mean, one for one thing, a lot of social media platforms aren't even crawled by Google because they're sort of in a, a walled garden type scenario. And even if they are crawled and, and maybe they get a little bit of traffic, it's still sending people sort of away from your platform. It, 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 I mean, it's still, it could be your page on on Facebook, for example, but it's better to have them on your sort of wholly owned platform, i.e. your website. So certainly I think, um, you know, if people have a strategy that's working on social, then obviously they should continue to do that. But it's great to think about how you could like repurpose that content to use on your website. Because if you've already done most of the work to create it, then um, you might as well um, just do a little bit more to put it on your website and get sort of double the, double the benefit from that. The other thing that stands out to me, like if social media, what we saw um, when there was the issue with news and uh, the Australian government and Facebook pulled everything out in a day at the flick of a switch. I mean, so many content creators that could have even flagged it possibly might be news just disappeared. So if we're not building stuff on our own sites, we're really taking the chance that we're going to lose all of our audience, aren't we? Yeah, that's a, an interesting point, actually, because, yeah, it's, it, it is easy to get, get complacent with having these big um, platforms around that just sort of think they're going to be there forever. But it's when you have something like that issue that, that you suddenly realize, oh, you know, it's not necessarily the case. So it always helps to have your own platform there and, and hopefully even and something like an email list or something, some sort of backup to your social media profile so that you can contact people proactively if something happens with, with your other platforms. So certainly... It's better in general, sort of a general marketing strategy to have some of your own platforms and multiple ways of contacting people. And um, uh, and that can also help with SEO when you're talking about stuff on the website. So for somebody like a podcaster who's got a program they're creating content for, is it like a balancing act? Do you think a bit of each camp is beneficial or if they're wanting to really build their brand, are they better to go on to their own website? I mean, I think it really comes down to what your strategy is going to be. So I think there probably are brands out there that are, that are purely focused on like social and have made that their main focus and that's where they put, they're putting their content. And you can probably be successful that way. Going back to what we were just talking about with, with having sort of model platforms and, and being, um, I guess being uh, risk averse, not putting all your eggs in one basket, mm. et cetera. That's obviously another part of your strategy and, and, and how you might approach that. You know, that's going to be a piece of your strategy. As I do SEO, I'm going to say that you know, everyone should, should <laughs> sort of embrace SEO, come to SEO. Of course. But yes. <laughs> I'm happy to, uh, to let people, if, if they want to make, you know, if they don't want to have SEO in their strategy, but, you know, they've already got, um, you know, something that's working with social media or other platforms, that's fine. I mean, like I said, sort of at the top, it's probably, you probably do have some of your target customers or target readers or listeners on search and they probably are looking for content and solutions like those that you offer. So if you don't target them, probably your competitors will. So someone out there will, will get that benefit. So um, if you don't need it, that's fine. But if you do want extra traffic and, and customers, then it's certainly worth looking at, at the website. Yeah, I guess over time and also at the, at the start of your, your sort of business journey, you'll you'll be looking at your strategy. And, and this is when you'll sort of think about, okay, do I need to, do I want to put resources towards this channel or that channel? And where am I going to put my focus and, you know, one thing you can do with the SEO is you can, you can do a bit of keyword research sort of upfront to try and gauge the amount of, um, interest in, in the sort of keywords that you might be talking about and try and sort of figure out how much of a big thing that could be for your strategy. Mm. Uh, it's going to 
depend on the business and, and your approach, I think. So when uh, I see things on uh, Facebook in the, those um, podcaster groups and stuff all the time where they always say, do I need a website for my podcast? I think the screaming answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I think so. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Do it. I mean, I like my podcast platforms as well because I, I, mean, I like to listen to podcasts too and, and and whatnot. But it's handy to have the website, even for podcasts where I have them on, on my, you know, my preferred platform. Sometimes I want to go there and look at the show notes or I want to go look at other stuff on the website. So having a central place that's that's wholly owned by you um, is great just in general. And then, of course, you can get that SEO benefit as well. I guess also that links into, you know, if you've got your own website and you're putting your podcast up via that as well, the content, the transcripts is going to help feedback into the um, the visibility in search rankings, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So that um, goes back to what I was saying before, basically about having more content. But the other part of that is that uh, Google can't, even though they can do their automatic transcriptions on YouTube that you might have seen, mm. they're not going to do that for, for random content on the web, like podcasts and stuff and videos that aren't on YouTube. So um, if you want uh, the search engine crawlers to be able to understand what your podcast is about, there's going to have to be some text content. It could be a full transcription. I've seen some sort of research in the past that says that you might not need a full transcription. You might just need some some dot points that, that sort of summarize what was said in the podcast to get a similar benefit. But certainly you want to have some text content that, that goes into what your your media is about, whether it's video or, or podcast audio. And a transcription is a good way to do that as well because it sort of just covers everything. Would it be helpful to say, put up the show notes put up the article as a show notes, but also transcribe it into maybe a more user-friendly article. So, if you're doing a podcast on the top five ways to battle pod fade, then put it up as the show notes, but put up a second thing as an article that might be get crawled for that. Yeah, absolutely. There's different ways you can you can approach it, but I think that that probably would make sense because probably with your show notes, you're going to be titling it or the headline is going to be, um, you know, it's going to be related to your to how your sort of podcast is is structured, so it's, maybe it has an episode number, and maybe it has a name that's meant to sort of entice the the, the listener in, but it might not be as optimized for SEO. Hmm. So, uh, like you said, one way of approaching it would be to have the show notes that sort of are around the the show topics, and it's more about the listeners um, helping them out, and yeah, and you could take the key points and turn it into an article that's perhaps more optimized for SEO. So that that would be a good way of approaching it. Recycle, recycle, recycle. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, one of the things you said in there, um, Google being able to translate those YouTube videos, so are those transcripts that they're generating, are they feeding into SEO at some point, like in the search results? Would it be beneficial then to make sure that if you're creating that content for another platform, like a podcast, that you're also putting a version on YouTube? Yeah, YouTube's an interesting one in that it's owned by Google. So, it does get, in some ways, they, they, they're sort of kind of cagey about it and say, oh, we, you know, we don't preference our own platform, but it's clear that they do in, in some <laughs> ways. And, you know, I think there's various sort of antitrust, you know, things going ongoing about that. So, it's hard to sort of keep, keep um, up with the news on that. But I definitely think that uh, podcasts, I mean, obviously, YouTube's a huge uh, mar- you know, market of, of potential listeners and watchers anyway. So, mm. in general, I would say that um, it probably is a good strategy to put stuff up on there just to try and get, get in front of a new audience. And, but in terms of the SEO sort of aspect of it, yes, I think it is a benefit because um, 
you'll probably see, I mean, Google has their own sort of video tab in their search results. You can specifically go to video hmm. if you're looking for video content. Now, whether obviously a podcast that, that doesn't have video, you could put, say, an image or something in the background and you could still kind of get a video in there. It wouldn't be ideal you know, in the search results if someone was, in fact, looking for a video, but it still gets you a sort of place uh, at the table there. Um, the other one is that in... The regular search results, if Google thinks that the, the search is somehow video related or I think a videos might be relevant, they might include some video uh, search results within the main uh, search results as well. So that's another opportunity to get in front of people with um, with a video. And, and you can also, that will often include a, um, a thumbnail as well. Mm. Um, in terms of you know, how they might be using the transcripts they're doing automatically. I'm not sure, but I mean, I, surely since they're doing these, these sort of automatic transcripts, they, I think they must be using them as part of their algorithm. But I'm not mm. quite sure to the extent and, and how you might uh, leverage that. There is some stuff you can do with when you're putting videos on, on your own site, whether that's a YouTube video that you're embedding or some other video, there's some stuff you can do to put, um, what's known as schema in the background, which is sort of extra code you add to the page, which, which people don't see, but it helps machines, including search engines, to understand what the content's about. And that can include a transcript or a description of your video, which, which can help out with search engines. We've been talking quite a bit about content making and, you know, around the lines of podcasting, because that's what we do. But from what I understand, SEO is slightly different for different types of businesses that aren't based in technology, yeah? Yes, that's right. So, I mean, there's different, like, like I sort of said at the top, the, the industry over the last 10 years or so and you know, over time, time in general has kind of fractured into different disciplines and different industries. So, sort of broadly, I, I might separate it out like this, three sort of broad areas being uh, local business. So, businesses that have some sort of local presence and they're trying to attract people from their local area, often People would be familiar when they go to do a Google search for a local business, they'll see a map in the search results, they'll see addresses and phone numbers and, and stuff, and that's um, part of Google's local algorithm. And they're introducing, um, they've got their own platform uh, called Google My Business, which is sort of like a business directory. So that's information from that platform, and it's really only relevant to local businesses. So local businesses kind of have that as well as the other stuff to do with keywords and links that I mentioned. Another big one is e-commerce. So online shopping, e-commerce businesses, they may they may be crossover with the local business ones. They might have a local shop and an online business, or they might be only online with their shop. That's another big area, and it's become it's grown even more during during COVID because um, obviously with a lot of the lockdowns and, and social distancing, people being at home, having some way to to shop and buy online and to sell online has been become more and more important. Hmm. So that's a really big one that's been growing lately. And then then the last category, I think I would I'd put um, the ones we were talking about before. So the more content oriented businesses. So any kind of sort of blog or it could be, you know, still someone's sort of personal blog or more sort of professional blog, podcasts and, and content related businesses where they're putting out a lot of content and, and sort of things like news sites and stuff like that would also go in here. And then there's there's also mixed businesses in this in this area. Sites that have bit of news, they have like might have a forum or something. Uh, they might have sort of reviews and, and whatnot going on there. So they're more focused on content. So I'd probably separate them um, into broadly those three groups. They're all going to 
be concerned with, with what we said before. So links uh, are important for authority, for, for getting above other websites that are relevant. And then the keywords are going to be important for making sure the search engines can match their content with what people are searching for. But they're each going to have their own sort of focused things to look at. So for local businesses, there's that Google My Business platform I mentioned. That's super important. You would definitely want to make sure you're on there. You want to make sure you're engaging with that, filling out all the information that's on there and, and keeping up to date because they release new uh, features all the time. So you want to sort of get on top of those, experiment with those and, and stay engaged with that platform. With e-commerce, the, the technical side of things comes more into play because mm. e-commerce typically they would have lots of different pages and sort of category pages, product pages, they're interlinked. So the technical side of SEO sort of comes in more there. The technical side we haven't really mentioned so far, but that's just all around how search engines can access the site, how they can crawl it, which just means um, their little robots going out and accessing each page and make sure they can they can access the content and, and read it and put it into their, their database. Um, so there's some technical as- aspects there. The other thing that's big for e-commerce is making sure you have unique content because it's quite common that people will, they'll be selling something from a supplier or a wholesaler and they'll just use, say, the wholesaler's product description on their product page. And then, then of course, all the other retailers that have the same product are using the same description. So from the search engine's perspective, you know, someone types in a search and they've just got all these product pages with exactly the same description and they don't really know like how to, to order these. What they would really like is that they can show something to the user that's a bit different. So if you can have unique content, that's really going to help you with um, your e-commerce SEO. Of course, it can also be quite time consuming to write unique descriptions for, for thousands of products. So you might, maybe you'd have to prioritize the more important ones. And then going back to the, the content business that we were discussing before, the bigger focus there is going to be on, I think, the keyword research stage, making sure you um, are researching the keywords you're, you're targeting in your content, and that's an ongoing process as well. And then also this optimization. So I discussed sort of the basics of having one primary uh, target keyword per page. You can have lots of different secondaries, making sure that's included in, in the right places. But then you can, there's a few levels deeper you can go with that. Mm. And you can, you can look at competitors, what they're ranking for. You can, you can kind of look at maybe gaps in your competitors' content in terms of, of what they're targeting. And, and then maybe there's an opportunity there for you. Or there could be gaps in your content that they're already getting benefit from. And you can plug up your end as well so that you can also get to a ranking for, for that keyword. I think this might sound like a really cheeky question, Nick, because one of the things that we do on the other side of the business is branded podcasts. But it seems like it would be worthwhile for businesses to have a dual strategy or a try strategy. If, I don't know if that's the way to phrase it. Where you are also delivering content while you're also focusing on your e-commerce stuff. So, say you're a shoe store or you know footwear brand, you also maybe should have a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I obviously, I mean, whether you have a podcast or not is not strictly strictly an SEO question, of course. Yes, but, um, <laughs> there's far I mean, more I- to that. <laughs> but it would, it, I mean, I suppose it would help though, wouldn't it? Because you would end up with a target, well, you would end up with a content strategy for SEO, which might help boost, but you'd also be able to um, add that to your e-commerce strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, sort of uh, a ways back, um, have, the more content you have, the better in yeah. general. And it's going to depend on the person, but certainly, I mean, I'm sure you guys would agree. I agree. Talking and, and having a conversation with someone is often a much easier way of coming up with content than trying 
thing. I have to sit down and write it. Mm. So that's often sort of um, talked about as, as one of the, the benefits of, of podcasts uh, from a content creations perspective. You can have a conversation. You can get, you know, your, your industry knowledge out there much more easily than perhaps sitting down and having to write about it. But that's going to depend on the person, of course. Yeah, I think it's a great way of producing content. And it's also got all these other benefits as well, like having an audience around your brand and, and they're coming back each week, assuming it's, it's sort of a regular podcast. So you, they're constantly kind of being exposed to you. And of course, you can have an email list or some sort of feed that they're on so that you can get in contact with them when something's released or maybe, you know, for other reasons, like when you have a new product launch or something that's relevant. So I think definitely think it's useful in general and it's a great way to produce content as long as you have some way of, of making it uh, SEO friendly. So the transcription idea and or the content, like you mentioned, you could produce some sort of article or something from that or even just uh, the show notes that, that have yeah. a description of what was discussed. I think definitely you've given our listeners some food for thought today with you know the benefits of SEO and having your own web page compared to just living on social media with your brand. If we had a content creator um, listening today who uses social media quite well to drum up business and to have that presence, but really wants to kind of get something that's a bit more independent and bring some of that content over to their own web page. What are some of the common things they need to look out for to make sure that that's effective? The first thing I'll probably go back to is the keywords again. So, hmm. I mean, you certainly could just mirror that content over somehow. So, you definitely wants to be, has to be words. Going back again, Google, for example, does have technology that they can read the words within an image, but they're not typically doing that for every image they find on the web. So you really need to have text on the page that includes the content that's in an image if you're using images. Um, so definitely there has to be some text there. You could just throw that up there and, and sort of see how it goes and not think so much about the keywords. Um, and that, that would be better than nothing. But certainly the next level would be thinking about um, what keywords you want to target you can think about how competitive is this keyword there's different sort of tools around uh, around that and trying to pick a keyword that's um, or a topic that's um, less competitive or it's make sure it's closely related to what you're doing and then just when you're putting your, your social media uh, content across making sure it's it's matching up with those keywords that you're targeting then you're, you're putting on your website this text and the the keywords included in the places i mentioned er- earlier so the page style or the heading first paragraph of, of the content and a few other times throughout the page that would be the main things i think you had a podcast or ha- slash have a podcast. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's always there if you want to go back to it. How did it, the SEO, how did that benefit you? Do you have a personal experience there to share? Oh, <laughs> my my podcast journey was, um, uh, I can remember parts of it fondly and other parts uh, not so fondly. <laughs> Not having any editing skills and, and <laughs> having to try and uh, navigate that, uh, that, that side of things. But the, the, the conversation side, like I said, is, was, was fantastic and I really enjoyed that part of it. And certainly, uh, yeah, the, the transcriptions were really important for getting the SEO benefit from those podcasts. I had this issue in the past with various projects where I was always wanting to create a new website mm. for, for different projects and, and to sort of expand it out and 
Probably for SEO, the better option is actually to put it on, if, well, it depends on, on the project, but if you're an existing business that's adding a podcast or an existing brand, it's almost better, certainly better to put it on your own website, your, your existing website, if you're trying to benefit that, that website, because part of the, the value that sort of, um, that links bring you, the, that authority value is shared more easily amongst the pages of the same website than it's shared with another website. So I, I could still create a separate website and sort of link a cross between say my business website and my podcast website but it wouldn't be the same sharing of value as if I had them on the same website so you, you're, you're calling us out Nick <laughs> <laughs> oh. no, that's, no that, that's really interesting because that's what we were planning on doing and kind of have done with one of our properties is actually set up a second website for it so you're saying it would be better to live it all on have it live on the one website and maybe just buy that other domain and send it across um, I mean certainly from an SEO perspective uh, in the way that I was describing, that there's the benefit in the shared domain authority and the shared link value by having it on the, on the same website. However, of course, there's going to be other reasons to put it on a separate website. Perhaps it's a, particularly if the, it's a different brand name and, and you want to try and differentiate that from your other brand, that could be a reason to put it on another website. So I wouldn't... Um, Jump immediately <laughs> to, to putting on the same website. I guess I was thinking more, more in my own sense where I just had a thus far unexplained um, just desire to create new websites. I'm not mm. sure. I'm not sure why, but if you don't really have another reason, particularly, then it does make sense to keep them on the same website. The other thing I found with my podcast, which is not not exactly an SEO benefit, but um, I just found it a fantastic way to, to build my network. So I can actually relate this to SEO uh, uh, in a way in that certainly links are an important part of SEO, trying to get other websites to link to you. And one of the key ways of doing that is just appealing to your network. So it could be going on a podcast, for example. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, doing a blog post for someone. So a blog post being like a guest post where you write an article for someone else's website and it links back to your website. But mm-hmm. before you sort of get to that stage, you've got to connect with those people, whoever it is who's running those other websites. So networking is important. And I found that podcasting was a great way to do that, particularly with experts, influencers. So I would have them on my podcast and, and the, the network I built from that is, is continued to this day. I think it's been, it's probably five years or something since I did my last sort of, uh, you know, podcast episode, but I still kept the network that I built through doing that up until now and all the benefits that flow from that. You know, there's many benefits, but certainly for SEO as well about getting link opportunities or just sort of meeting different people for for different reasons to do with the website. So that's another major benefit that's not exactly SEO, but there's some SEO benefits in there. It kind of feels like it might be a way to supercharge word of mouth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Obviously a podcast... So you're talking to people in order to build, to have, say, have people on the podcast. That's an excuse to sort of talk to people, reach out to people. That's the network building side. And then, yeah, once you have them on the podcast or you're talking about them or, you know, talking about your network, that's a way of, you know, of sort of spreading that word of mouth, I guess. It's also like, um, kind of a sort of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type thing as well. You've put them on on your platform and you're sort of talking with them, helping them put their message out and they're likely to do the same to you in perhaps another venue. So maybe it's on their social media or through their blog or their email list and stuff like that. So that can drive it's word of mouth and referrals. Another way of looking at it is the sort of referrals. I mean, speaking of networking, now we're here in this opportunity. What are you telling our listeners to um, that, that you specialize in? Why should they give you a call and book in with you? 
Right. Yes. So um, I'm the SEO team leader at Slam Strategy. We're a digital uh, marketing agency in Australia. We do all sorts of marketing. So mm-hmm. digital marketing, including SEO, which is what I do. But also we do paid ads, so Facebook ads, uh, shopping ads, and uh, Google ads, and uh, social media marketing, email marketing, and also the offline media, so traditional radio, TV. I'm sort of firmly in the, the digital team, of course, focusing on the SEO. Yeah. I've been working with Sam for about six years. So we do all the different businesses that um, I mentioned. So uh, certainly local businesses, e-commerce, like I mentioned, has been super um, mm. growing with, with, the, with the pandemic and it's been a real focus for us the last few years and throughout COVID in particular. And But also uh, other types of businesses, content businesses, um, they're all interesting for me to, to look into. So I welcome you know, anyone who's in, interested in getting some, some deeper SEO solutions for their business to, to get in contact with us at, at Slam Strategy. The paid ad side can be instantaneous. So as soon as you roll out a strategy like that, um, you can start getting traffic and, and lead straight away. So I wanted to mention that they those two complement each other very well. So I, I work closely with our, our digital ads team. So we can do the SEO side, which is the cumulative build sort of long-term strategy, and we can do the, the paid ad side, which um, has a, sort of an instant boost. And mm. the good thing about sort of... Um, SEO and and, um, and Google and search is that, for instance, the Google Ads side and the SEO side, they do complement each other very well because they're both using keywords. They're both leveraging the same platforms in, in mostly Google and, and these other big platforms. So that's something else to keep in mind if, if you're um, looking for ways to expand your digital strategy, how you can use those two together. I know we've said that Google aren't indexing audio at the moment, but I feel like that's not far away. Um, pure speculation. What are your thoughts? Crystal ball. Yeah, crystal ball. I feel. I feel like they've, like they're getting so good at transcripts now too, um, that it might not be far away. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if they're not indexing it. It's hard to know what what they're doing in the background. Uh, because they're always working on different things. Mm. Uh, certainly with, with the YouTube, so if it's on YouTube, they probably have it indexed in some way in terms of like uh, processing that audio and processing that video to, to get the maximum value from it. Um, and with the broader web, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't working on something. something. Something that is worth mentioning here is in terms of like the future of search. And it, it's sort of uncertain to which way this will go, but it's it's certainly present for everyone, and that's voice search. So most people now probably would have had the opportunity to, to experiment with voice search where you can say, hey, Google on your phone, and it will it will open up a, a little prompt there, and you can ask it a question, or you can do a search that way. And that uh, it has been growing slowly. It's In some ways, it was perhaps expected to take off more than it has. In other ways, it's kind of just growing there along there in the background. But that certainly is a type of audio processing that they're doing basically on the fly. And that sort of plugs into their AI research and their AI um, algorithms and whatnot. So it's certainly audio is certainly plugs into that. So I think... Mm. um, we could expect to see podcasts and, and different types of audio and, and multimedia coming more into the fold, perhaps as um, an answer to, to some sort of voice search you've made. Because obviously, if you're if you're on your phone and you're asking with a voice search, maybe you're going to be more wanting to hear uh, an audio re- response mm. than to read an article or something. So they might be bringing it in on there. I haven't I haven't heard any specifics about that, but certainly the voice search thing is big. 
and um, probably not going to be going away. And it works well with mobile as well. So any kind of audio type media or video is probably often going to be better for someone who's on a mobile device than, than reading, you know, articles. Mm. That's the, you know, small text, small screen, all that stuff. So certainly I, I think, you know, mobile is obviously not going away. So it, there could be something connecting there with, with, with audio and video and podcasts uh, in the future, for sure. And I wonder how that's going to go with um, socials as well. Like I noticed the last, I think, four or five months, like even Instagram has made that uh, their search bar at the top that used to, used to be um, profiles or tags. It's now it feel, it's set SEO because you can search keywords too. So yeah, I wonder well, that's, if that's going to play a part in indexing in a greater form. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's another whole aspect because obviously we've been talking mostly the, the traditional search engines yeah. here like Google and, and whatnot, but with apps and with these um, social media platforms, they they have these sort of walled gardens type uh, approaches where they can have their own internal search. Um, so Facebook is sort of flirted with the idea of having their own search engine several times. And I mean obviously they have their internal search, but it hasn't they haven't really targeted the same type of person who's looking uh, to do general search like they are on Google. But they've, they have sort of – there has been talk around it various times, but um, they've kind of kept to their social side, I guess, for now. But certainly who knows what the, the new players are going to be popping up and maybe they're going to have different innovations that sort of take the industry in a different direction. So mm. you've always got to be kind of ready for that, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Looking for keywords everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nick, you, you have been so full of information today and all this is so valuable. I really think that a lot of listeners are going to get so much out of this and hopefully we'll call you for some even deeper expert advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, you, yeah, if you want to get in contact or find out more about what we do at Slam Strategy, I think just heading to the website, slamstrategy.com.au would be great. Thanks to Nick and the team at Slam Strategy and thank you for staying with us this year as Elevating Expert has evolved. We'll be taking a break, but would love for you to leave comments and suggestions for us to include in our 2022 season by jumping onto welcomechangemedia.com.au and hitting contact us to send us your feedback. Elevating Experts is a Welcome Change Media production. 